Um, because of the sensitive subject of this next podcast, I decided to record a little disclaimer. I uh, attempted to look at the rape epidemic of South Africa from a third party, from a neutral point of view, and try to see how things can degenerate to such a degree. It was a really difficult subject to broach because my initial reaction was all these motherfuckers just need to be fucking killed. No one needs to feel sorry for them. Fuck these goddamn people. But as I started looking at it, I'm like, well, these these were were children at one time. Uh, these children had mothers, have sisters. Some of them come from single mother families um, where they've been raised without a father. And so <clears throat> I wanted to look at what could possibly create an atmosphere for for so many children to be raised in different households, in different environments, yet sharing the same general culture and become so violent and towards women and children. And how can you look at these monsters as human beings? that have been shaped and molded by external factors in some way that you could actually solve the problem by addressing these external factors. So basically taking it from the point of view of nurture and not nature. It was pointed out to me as I allowed a couple of people, a couple of women from South Africa to listen to this, that some of the things I say could be taking, taken wrong. Like they, they, they could be read as excuses, but I want to I want to assure everybody there's no excuse for any of this behavior and that whenever I whenever I'm approaching the the traditional gender roles and and the subject of men overpowering women and being more powerful than women and and that's that's coming from a place of I'm thankful that we are no longer there as 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 a large you know, swath of people, uh, for the most part, men are very accepting of women as equals and they obviously should be. What I'm trying to look at is 
is what are what were these these children taught to bring them to this this position are they being taught that women women are somehow lesser than men the other thing that was brought up to me it was pointed out and i thought it was a, a pretty good observation was the role of pornography um, with pornography being so easily accessible and you can look at you know you look at somebody like ted bundy who who knows how much of what he said is actually truth and how much of it is just manipulation but one thing that sexual predators do point to in their lives is their addiction to, to pornography. And with if, if somebody is predisposed to a pathological um, personality and they've grown up in a very violent area, as South Africa happens to be very violent, then those pathologies, that, that addiction to pornography, the access to bondage and fetishes and this, that, and the other, as well as the environment of violence that surrounds them that they've been raised in could very well lead them into positions of becoming rapists. And it, it wasn't a subject that I touched on in the following recording, mainly because I was looking at the social elements and the the point of view that for uh, that men have this desire, this this need to be the caretakers and to to provide security and when these these elements of what makes a man feel useful are ripped away from them not ever offered to them there's there's a an emptiness and that avoid that they're trying to fill. But I know this doesn't explain everything. So again, if anybody knows any experts on the subject, anybody that's truly familiar with the subject in a really, really in-depth way, I would be willing to talk to them. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm sure not everybody's going to like what I have to say. I'm sure I'm going to be misinterpreted on many occasions, and I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to fucking defend myself. So, think what you want, say what you want, scream and shout, I ain't mad at you. Enjoy yourself. Late. I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. My wife has uh, asked me to talk about this subject a couple of times. Um, anybody has, knows anybody that's an expert on the subject, please um, have them get in touch with me. I would, I would love to interview them about this. 
but I just want to give kind of a breakdown of what I'm thinking is going on in South Africa at the moment. If, uh, if you're on social media, you've probably seen the, the posts and the, the tweets about all the rapes and murders that have been taking place in South Africa, a lot of violence against women and children. I read a statistic today that says every 26 seconds, either a woman or child is raped. Um, There was a story about a 19-year-old girl who visited the post office in Cape Town, and she was murdered by a 42-year-old man. She was raped and murdered uh, there in the post office next door to a police station. And her body was dumped and later found. And I, I've been watching some South African news stories on what they think is happening. I watched a short 16-minute documentary on the idea of rape in South Africa. And it's, it's really hard to pinpoint motive and intention. And when, when you look at these, these issues, especially an issue like rape, you'll have people that <laughs> say things without thinking about it. Um, I heard a woman earlier say, well, the accuser doesn't have to prove anything. Well, yeah, because the accused, I'm not the accuser, the accused doesn't have to prove anything. And yeah, you know, due process and innocent until proven guilty is is very serious and you don't want to backdoor a process such as that and they say that they think it's cultural in some ways which I can I don't know enough about the the cultures that surround South Africa, the tribes and the, and the way that these cultures identify gender roles and, um, you know, patriarchal society versus matriarchal societies. And I, I, I'm not real positive how, how these, um, structures are put together historically. What I can say is from a deep historical precedent, just looking at the Western philosophy of, of gender roles and 
gender in society. Just as as minority rights are are new to our societies, so are the rights of women. Um, it's 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 evident when you look into like Christianity and Judaism, Islam, and all these religions that historically women were submissive and they were to serve the their husbands and as equal rights have been shuffled around and and there's been this this fight for equality by women it is it has created kind of a a feeling amongst uh, many men, uh, many insecure men, they they have become emasculated. And they feel powerless um, because a lot of a lot of men that grow up in poverty, and which I'll I'll touch on this in a minute, but a lot of men that grow up in poverty, the only the the only power they have, the only control that they are are able to display, and the only muscles they're they're able to flex are over their immediate families and over their households. So you'll see a lot more abuse and abusive situations in more impoverished areas and more impoverished neighborhoods because that's that's all they have now there are people that say that rape is only about power whereas i think there's an aspect of power to rape it is a violent in in many cases it's a violent uh, act against another human being and you are displaying a certain amount of control and power over this individual I would also say that you can't make, you can't completely take away the sexual elements of of what rape is and that there's obviously a sexual like aspect to it. And when you hear some of these, these kids talking that have been involved in these situations, uh, they have a game in South Africa called Labanta, which is basically gang raping, um, a woman uh, or a girl at a party, you know, they get all get drunk and they consider it an orgy of sorts and a game to be played in a fun way. This is a quote, a fun way to lose your virginity. Whereas the woman involved or the girl involved may not see it that way. Probably doesn't see it that way, but she gets a reputation as a whore or a slut 
and easy. And then as, as men want to take her out in the future with this reputation following her, they're expecting certain things. And they just know that they're going to get laid that night. And yeah, they're going to take it. And, and she's challenging in certain ways. She challenges their masculinity and their manhood by not putting out. Why would you sleep with all these other guys, but you won't sleep, you won't have sex with me? Why would you fuck all these dudes, but you won't fuck me? Like, what is it? Right? So there is that sort of aspect to it where when this 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 cultural aspect as to they have this game that they quote unquote game it's not a game in from the woman's point of view um but they want to they then then suddenly when she's rejecting somebody in the future that knows about this then they're being insulted and they have to prove their manhood right and then there's the aspect of one guy was talking about how a woman went home with him and when they got to his house she was like no I don't want to yeah let's do it no let's stop yeah let's do it and the back and forth and he said it, it's confusing and you eventually just get frustrated and take it. And sure, it may get a little rough, but hey, we're probably drunk. And if alcohol is involved and we're drunk, it's probably going to get rough because that's what you do when you're on, when you drink. Um, which is a complete misnomer. I mean, you don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily. I, I mean, I, if you have the tendency for for rough sex and that's what you know as sex is to be rough, then, yeah, I guess as you kind of drink away your inhibitions, you would be you would be getting you would become more aggressive in your advances. You'd become more aggressive in your acts. Um, but I'm not real certain that that's a, you know. That's a guarantee for everybody that that sex is supposed to be is to get rough, you know, when you when you drink. So then you look over the last, what, 25 years, what has happened in South Africa economically. They have devolved from a first world country to a third world country in a very, very short period of time. The RAND is one fourteenth of the US dollar. Basically means that the RAND is worth about, I don't know what, six and a half, seven cents to to the dollar. The the uh, unemployment rate is never below like 35% or something like that. I don't remember the exact statistic. I was talking to my father-in-law about it a while back. But the unemployment rate never drops below double digits. 
it's always in the mid to high double digits, actually, around between 35 and 60% unemployment. And these, these men have no, they have no hope for a future. They make their li- living by begging and robbing and, and, you know, the, it, it, it's really a strange thing when you're American and you go to South Africa and you see just like two or three guys just hanging around a parking lot and you're pulling into a parking spot and they're guiding you in and you're like, what, what the hell are you doing? And then as you get out of the car, they hold their hand out. They expect to be paid for their quote unquote service that they just provided you. And you're like, Oh, okay. (laughs) Like, sure, I guess. And you throw them the equivalent of like a penny, you know, and they're perfectly satisfied. That's theirs. Oh, okay. Thanks. You know, that's all they want. And it's like, this is, this is really odd. It's, It's really strange, but they don't have anything else. They're standing on street corners begging for, for money. They'll, if they see you in a car with your window rolled down, they may even try to reach in there and grab something. And steal it and go sell it. Because they're they just have no hope. There's no meaning. There's no they don't they don't have any future. And that can be extremely emasculating. And if you see this this in this scenario, if these men are seeing these women that are succeeding, you know. And providing for themselves when a man can't provide for them, that's extremely degrading to to a man's psyche because a man is 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 raised to believe that it is his job to provide for his family. You provide security, you provide financially, you do all these things. And it's very, very depressing, very heartbreaking when you run into a scenario into which you're unable to provide. Now, I'm not making excuses for these guys. I'm just looking at what possible environment has created this type of minutia and set it in motion in such a way that it's become an epidemic. When they're telling you that 40% of, of women in South Africa are going to be raped at least once during their lifetime. And what was it? 33% of men are going to rape someone during their lifetime. You have to look at it and say, okay, what has created such, um, such an environment that these men feel it necessary to rob a woman of agency over her own body. And I can't help but, but think that there's some sort of 
emasculated tendency, some instinct, some animalistic instinct deep inside of a man to flex his power and control over a situation and maybe i don't know maybe maybe there's this something in in that in these people's psyche that's causing this that that that's leading them to this as if this is the only way i can prove that i am a man this is the only way I can show how strong I am or, or impress my friends, you know, because I took that shit. They didn't want to give it to me. I took that shit, right? And, you know, men have a tendency to depend on their, their will and their, their just sheer perseverance to overcome obstacles in life and as life is throwing these challenges out men are like you know propping themselves up against the wall and just pushing off and just fighting head first and and overcoming these obstacles by destroying the obstacle in their path and they get this gratitude and this this internal uh fulfillment from overcoming obstacles and when you're in a situation where you can't get a job and where you can't pay your bills and where you can't take provide for a family and you can't take care of a woman and you can't show your manhood in any other way is there a possibility that your mind flips to, well, I can overcome this obstacle. I can take this shit for myself, right? Because I can't take control of my life. I can't take control of my financial situation, but I can certainly take control of this situation. And so it's, it's almost as if you dehumanize the other per person and you make them look as you're in your own eyes, you're viewing their um, hesitancy to 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 have sex with you as as the obstacle you must overcome. And you're not thinking about the victim that you're creating and the victimhood that you're creating. You are just trying to to reach some sort of fulfillment within yourself. And as you're, as you're pursuing this fulfillment in yourself and overcoming this obstacle that's in front of you, you are victimizing another human being. So there, there's that aspect, that, that aspect of, of displaying manhood by overcoming obstacles and this, this psychological trauma that the inability to provide and to um, take control of your own life may play into this as a whole. But another important aspect that I saw when I was looking into this is the 
amount of fatherless children in South Africa. There are, it is estimated that half of the country of South Africa, half of the children in the country of South Africa are raised in fatherless homes. So much so that the they, the that South Africa has been dubbed the fatherless country. Now, I grew up. Um, all right, just just a little background here. When I was uh, two years old. My, my parents were very young when I was born. My mom was um, 17. My dad was 18. They got married. My dad went to college. Um, when I was two years old, they got divorced. And between the age of two and six, my mom was married one other time in which she gave birth to my half-brother. But there were periods of other relationships and, and her dragging me around into other situations. And, and she's very open and honest about this. And uh, I don't believe I'm saying anything that, that's going to like hurt her feelings. But there were relationships that I know were abusive for her and for me, right? And then she got back together with my father at the age of six when I was six years old and they were, they were married a second time. And, um, then that, I mean, that's still to this day, they're best friends. They, they're have a wonderful relationship and I admire my parents greatly for their relationship, especially not to mention all the obstacles they overcame, um, So in this process, I, even if I don't like remember, remember every little detail and, and everything extremely specifically, I witnessed the good and the bad of how to treat a woman and a child. Right. And these children raised with no father don't see how a father treats a wife or a mother. You don't see how a husband treats a wife and how a, a husband also serves the family in, in many ways. And, and you don't, <clears throat> you don't get that that gentle aspect of a man and how gentle a man, a true man. Now, I'm not talking about I'm a, an abusive individual, but a, a real man, how gentle they are to their spouse and to their family. You don't see, you don't have a healthy idea of what masculinity is 
and how to how compassion and understanding and love are very masculine traits in a man. I was very lucky that my parents did rekindle their marriage and I was able to see how my dad treated my mom. But I can imagine that if your mother and when you're growing up, your mother is the disciplinarian, the, the provider and the caretaker in a lot of ways that caretaking is taking a back seat to the other things. And so you don't get that tenderness from a woman. You don't see how a man expresses tenderness to a woman. And you may grow up being bitter towards women or feeling like you have to overcompensate and over overpower women. And in order to get what you want from women, you may feel like you have to just take it from them. There may be a type of anger towards the opposite sex. You, because when a man as when, when in a traditional household, and we're not talking nuclear family, but in a traditional household, you would have an extended family involved. You would have the men teaching the boys how to become men and how to act as a man and how to provide and how to have discipline, how to work and how to care for a family from a man's perspective. And then you would have the woman as a, as a caretaker, as the more, the, the more gentle, the, the one who puts, you know, ointment on a wound and, and, you know, you know, holds you when you cries or whatever the deal is when you're a child. And, and the men would, would teach you how to bottle all that up and turn it into anger. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> the men would, would teach you how to, how to be productive and, 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 and express yourself as, as a man health in a healthy way. Now, this is an idealistic, you know, idea, you know, of, of what, there would be, but you would have your uncles and your, your grandfather and your, your father and, and all these other men around to help you adapt and, 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 and learn and grow as, as a man. And when you don't have these positive male role models in your life, then you're uncertain as to what manhood is and what it means to be a man. And, and you, you feel this aggression and, and, and inside you, which I think all 
men to an extent have this this in, instinctual aggression inside you but you don't have um an example of how to aim that aggression in a healthy in a healthy way and it could very easily lead to an epidemic such as the rape epidemic epidemic that we see in South Africa. Now, this is not excusing. I'm not, I'm not trying to excuse anybody of their actions. What I'm trying to do is look at this from a macro level though, and, and say, okay, wait, what happened? You know, for, I think it's been like 10 years, South Africa has been the rape capital of the world. Something like that. At some point you have to step back and you have to say, okay, what exactly happened here? Like, how does, how does this happen? How do you, how do you breed generation after generation after generation of rapists? Like, how, how does this occur? This is not a normal thing, right? So between, I'm, I'm just, I'm speculating completely but it seems to me that between the dissolution of the family the economic downturn of society the hardships under which uh, the hardships and conditions under which these people live and then the liberalization of the traditional roles of gender, you can see a scenario in which there is this instability within men that don't understand what being a man is, that don't understand what, what masculinity is and don't know how to express it in a healthy manner. And it creates an unhealthy environment for everyone. Right? There's that old saying that men are want to say that if mama's happy, everybody's happy. But I think it goes the same way that if daddy's happy, everybody's happy. Right? I think it, it works both ways. It's a give and take thing. There's this, I wouldn't say compromise, but there's this teamwork. There's this meeting point into which your, your roles in, in, a, in a relationship and in marriage overlap. And, and you're working together towards the same goals. And if that overlapping teamwork separates then the entire family is torn apart, right? Now, this brings me to another thought I've had, and, and this isn't going to be so much on South Africa as it is the destruction of, of, the, of the family. And so I think I may have brought this up on the podcast before, but it's something that I think about a lot. And I've talked to my wife about it several times. But so I look at 
actually I'm positive I've brought it up before. So I look at the family and for thousands and thousands of years, the family was this extended model, right? It was the extended family. Like everybody lived near each other. And that was your community. Your community was made up like your, your immediate community was made up of your family, of your extended family. And it was large family structures. Now, along the way, especially here in America, um, that fell apart. People began to move around. And if you lived in an extended family, you were demonized as the other. Um, this is a, Traditionally, why immigrants were frowned upon is because when the Italians or the Irish would move over and, and come over to America, they would come over on ships with their entire family, maybe grandparents and uncles and aunts and nephews and cousins. And that it would all just be and they would all live together. They would all like work as a single family unit. And the nuclear family was a construction of, you know, the, I guess the, I think the industrial revolution really is what really pushed off the nuclear family. So what you have now is traditionally you had this structure, this large familial structure in which every person was contributing and every person was 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 assisting in financial aspects and assisting in parenting and raising children and you know sometimes you'd be hanging out with uncle joe and sometimes you'd be hanging out with with grandpa myers and like there's all these different aspects so it took a lot of the pressure off of the mom and dad, even though the mom and dad were still mom and dad. But then when the nuclear family kind of where the, the family devolved into the nuclear family, you have this, now you have what six or seven people were doing, basically six or seven jobs put onto two people. And the father is working 16, 18 hours a day in order to provide for the family. The mother is staying at home as the caretaker. And eventually, the, the mother has to start working. And when the mother has to start working, plus she's doing all the, all the work at the house, all the, all the housework, all the caretaking, plus assisting in the providing of the family, her response was, you can just get the fuck out. I don't need you. And so then you have this uptick in divorce. Now we could break it down as into monetary inflation and all these different um, policies and legislations and regulations that created this type of atmosphere. But the, the simple fact of the matter is, is it became America, especially in the 80s, really became, started becoming consumer driven. And 
it was happening prior to this, but it really took an uptick in the 80s. And suddenly families just started falling to pieces because they were, they were putting themselves, there was, they had put themselves in a situation to where they were, they were, their lifestyles were far beyond what they could actually afford. And as a result, many mothers had to get jobs in order to, to survive, not to mention that the spending power of the dollar had at, by that time had gone down 78 or 80 percent since 1971. I mean, it had lost well over, it had lost at least three quarters of its spending power. If you look at it in 2016, I think was the last statistic I saw, the dollar only is, has 82% less spending power than it did in 1971. So as they inflated the money supply, you decreased the spending power of the dollar. So even though more people have dollars, the dollars don't go as far. And therefore, in order to acquire more dollars, you have to work more. And you can only work so many hours in a day. So your spouse had to start working more, which means you had to put your children in daycare, which means other people are raising your children on top of them going to public school and being raised by the public school. So you have this complete just dis- destruction of the family unit starting back in the Industrial Revolution as the extended family began to devolve down into the nuclear family into which you have two people doing the jobs of six people. And now now these two people are stressed out beyond belief. They can't get along with each other because they never have any time to do anything together. They don't have any time to spend with each other. They can't – and all they're doing is work, 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 work. And it's finally to the point where it's like, I don't even fucking know you. I don't like you. I don't need you. Like the only time I see you is either you're sleeping or we're fucking fighting. Like, because we never have any time to care for our own relationship. So fuck this. It's over. So now you got what? A 60% divorce rate in, in a household. And you have all these children growing up in single parent households and they don't know how a healthy relationship functions. And you see the same thing in South Africa, that, that healthy relationship is not being taught to children. So these boys are growing up with no knowledge of what a healthy relationship is. They, they somehow get it in their head. No matter. I don't know how, I don't know where they get the idea in their head that they're owed sex or that, that they deserve sex. And so they take it. And not to mention, not, not only that, then you have a culture on top of that, that has been pushing this idea for decades, this horrific idea, this disgusting idea that if you come down and contract AIDS, HIV, you may heal yourself. You may 
fucking rid yourself of this disease by having sex with an infant. So there's this bred in idea that if you are sick, the way to get better is to rape or to rape an infant, a child. So there's all these different aspects of what's going on in South Africa. And I can't help but say, okay, this rape epidemic, as horrible as it is, is a symptom of much larger problems in the country. And this is a systemic problem in the country that that can't be fixed by a government that has done nothing but contribute to these these problems. This has to be fixed on a family level. This has to be fixed at home. It has to be stopped before it happens. This is the way you're raising your children. This is what they know about interactions with the opposite sex. This is not a, something the government can move in on and fix. So from my little knowledge on this topic, this is what I have kind of concluded or I speculate is going on in South Africa at the moment. I hope, uh, I hope that I can get in touch with some people that know some more about what's going on in South Africa, the, the widespread violence, especially the violence against women and children. And um, I hope to have somebody on to talk about this in the near future. Thanks for listening. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.